0: So could we be in a banking crisis as the downfall of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and the $54 billion lifeline thrown to Credit Suisse by the Swiss uh, Central Bank, a sign for other financial institutions? Our financial expert is here to give us his two cents. Lyle Stein is president of Forvest Global Wealth Management. Good morning, Lyle.
1: Good morning, Maggie.
0: Uh, so I would love to take this step by step. First of all, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank catered, from what I understand, to a tech the tech industry. What do we know about these institutions?
1: Well, there are both uh, banks. Like any bank, they take customer deposits, and they put those deposits to work. And what happened with these two? specific companies, uh Signature Bank was much more involved in what we would call the, uh, the the crypto uh side of technology. Silicon uh Valley Bank was one that basically lent to startups in Silicon Valley. So very different businesses, but nonetheless they were both federal US banks.
0: Right. And then when did they first see warning signs that something was going going awry? Well
1: uh, you know, first signs and uh, bad signs. There was probably a lag. Um, analysts have noted the fact that, for example, Silicon Valley Bank and SVB, as it's referred to, yeah. uh, had some issues with respect to the loans that it made, and and now we're getting into a question of, uh, you know, what is the business model that the banks are up op- are operating under. And so in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, they were inundated with customer deposits coming from the startups in Silicon Valley that needed a place to put their money. They put their money into the bank and then Silicon Valley Bank, like any bank, would lend that money out or purchase assets. And Silicon Valley Bank purchased assets that weren't necessarily matched to the uh, deposit base that they basically took in. And that's a, a real simple explanation that uh could probably we could take some more time to discuss it
0: yeah, so okay I would love to discuss them more so again, like every bank they're taking in all of these deposits from these startup companies and yet uh explain to me where they went wrong with the loans and why that was the the initial warning signs that something was was going wrong
1: yeah and and, and so it it's it's basically let's just take call it bank A instead of Silicon Valley bank. So bank A takes our deposits. We deposit $10 in the bank and that bank can then go and make loans with that money or it makes investments. And what they would do is go out and make a loan that would have a duration or a term to maturity that is different from the deposit. A deposit is something you put in and you can take out any time, but banks. Uh, Who loan money can't get that money back at any time, and so uh, what happens if there's a mismatch between the duration of the asset and the duration of the liability or the deposit is that you can run into trouble. Mm. And you know everybody's seen it's a wonderful life, and Mm. it's kind of uh, that that scene where you know Jimmy Stewart's behind the bank counter and everybody's asking for their money. That's what happened to Silicon Valley Bank when people started to get a whiff that they were going to incur a loss on their security portfolio. And instead of making loans, they just invested in government bonds. Uh, They said, I want to get my money out because if I get it out, then I'll be safe. And that's what began the uh, the run on Silicon Valley Bank.
0: So what happened to, I mean, we saw lines of people outside SVB um, this week. Did they all get their money? What happens to that?
1: I, I don't want to say that they all got their money mm. instantaneously, but they will have access to their money. The FDIC, the Fed, and the uh, Treasury all stepped in, and they basically guaranteed those deposits. So the person who was lining up, let's say, on Friday and didn't get their money uh, may have gone in on Monday and got their money, but they would know that they would have access to their money. Um, And and that's where one of the problems came in, which was... uh you have deposit insurance. We have it in Canada. You know We have yeah. deposit insurance up to $100,000 per person per bank. Um, over 100000 what happens? And that's why you get the run is that people who had deposits over 100000 wanted to take their money out. And with the internet and telephone banking and all the rest, you can hit a button or two and get your money out as opposed to having to wait in line.
0: Right. So what happens to... SVB and Signature Bank are they done?
1: They are done as we know them. So uh, Signature Bank actually went bankrupt, officially declared bankruptcy last week. Um, The shareholders have been wiped out. The employees, uh, the the senior employees, have uh, lost their jobs, which is what you'd hope in in many respects. Uh, I mean, these guys goofed, Um, and so those banks are gone as we know them. Typically what happens in these situations is someone steps in and takes those assets over. So they uh, typically would be bought by another bank. You know, we're going through one in Switzerland right now with uh, Credit Suisse. And it looks like UBS is going to be the uh, backstopping bank to provide uh, uh, basically the banking services that Credit Suisse had been providing.
0: So why are we seeing this happen? I was just going to ask you about Credit Suisse. So thank you for for filling in that gap, Lyle. Why all of a sudden we're And I don't know if it's all of a sudden, but maybe we're paying attention to this more. I mean, these are three significant banks that have gone through similar things.
1: Uh, It's uh, in a nutshell, it's the recognition that when you raise interest rates quickly, Mm. things break and the Federal Reserve and, you know, we'll blame the Fed. They raised rates by four and a half percentage points over the course of the last year. The Bank of Canada has done not quite as much, but somewhat close. Uh, Central Bank in Europe just raised rates on the weekend. People got accustomed to very, very, very low interest rates. And they built business models around very, very low interest rates. And when you had a sudden rise in those interest rates, the models that you relied on, um, you can't rely on anymore. And that's, in a nutshell, really what happened. And the consequences, nobody saw with perfect foresight, with hindsight, it's easy to say, uh, but like for example, at Silicon Valley Bank, the regulators missed it just as much as the uh, business model was flawed. Mm-hmm.
0: So can this happen in this country, Lyle?
1: It it can happen anywhere, yeah. uh, and and you know we we most recent experience in Canada was something called Home Capital, which I think back in two thousand seventeen had a bit of a run where uh, people were concerned about its housing loans, and they were interested in basically getting their money out of the bank, and so Warren Buffett had to step in and make an equity infusion into Home Capital Bank, and you know it survived and it carried on. Um, So yeah, these things can happen. You have insurance for depositors that you know help people like you and I, Mm -hmm. Um, but if you have a systemic bank, then you need bigger guns, and we saw that in the the real estate crisis of. Uh, 0809, the the great financial crisis. We saw it again in effect in 2020 with the um, the initial phases of the pandemic. Money needed to be available to meet needs of panicked savers because if panicked savers all decide to get their money out, it just you just can't do it. So someone has got to step in.
0: Yeah, we have two minutes left, and I did want to get to this story kind of quickly. The next story, and that is, and it is also quite a. Uh, disturbing, according to the government of Ontario's pay equity office, 21% of women over 75 tend to live in poverty compared to 13.9% of men the same age. And and what they say is that a lot of these women, you know, they worked jobs, uh, but they didn't have pensions. Uh, and or their pensions were uh, tied to inflation, and they're calling it the gender pension gap. And I guess my question to you, kind of along the lines of what we discussed a couple weeks back when we were chatting, Lyle, the impact that this has um, on our society when we have you know a growing number of older people. Uh, our our demographic is getting older. the The largest demographic when we think of the boomers, um, and we have you know twenty one percent of these women over seventy five who are struggling to get by. How do we see this impact our economy and how we support our elderly?
1: Oh boy, uh, we've got. I know n- ninety seconds to I touch know. this one. It's a, it's a hard one. I think the the, the first step becomes really a good financial education. Yeah. And uh, that comes right from the the elderly person to the government policymakers, um, to everybody who's a voter. Because, you know, what what we're really seeing here, Maggie, is two things. Yes, we're all uh living longer. And number two, uh our savings can't keep up with the longevity that we now have. And so we have need to come up with all kinds of solutions, you know, from housing to uh, income to uh, responsibility. There's a whole bunch of things in here um, that unfortunately are now coming out as 21 percent of uh, elderly females and 14 percent of elderly males.
0: Yeah. I mean, reading this article, I know we have to go. It was it's like my worst nightmare, you know, reading it. It's like nobody wants to be at that point. I don't think these women want to be at the point where you had one woman talking about Planning to live in her car at 75 years old. I mean, these are people who have poured into our economy, poured into our community, our society, and uh, we need to figure out a better way to take care of them. Thanks so much, Lyle, for breaking this all down for us on a Sunday morning.
1: You're very welcome, Maggie. Have a great rest of the weekend.